Let's children's church. You're dismissed. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Second Peter, chapter one. We're going to look at one verse. Uh, again, not a strong and uh, planned series on faith, but just another way to look at faith. Um, this morning, I'd like to preach on the journey of faith, how faith works in our life. Faith is unseen, and sometimes what we need to do is in order to understand something that is unseen, something that is invisible, uh, we can follow certain characteristics. I'll tell you, we know the electricity is working in the building today. The lights are on, and the air conditioners are working. And so, in Second Peter chapter 1, I want us just to look at one verse here, and uh, we'll put it in its context and, and uh, try to follow it out, but try to just get the meaning and the truth that is in this verse uh, this morning. We start in verse 19, says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Let's read that one more time. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star Arise in your hearts. And so as we look at this verse, we need to put it in its context. We need to make sure that we understand what is being spoken of here. We go back to verse 16, and Peter is just taking these few verses to give us an understanding. He says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables... When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Peter is saying here, we didn't sit down and try to make this up. I mean, there are many, many religions uh, that are based on simple, made-up stories. Um, if we could just pick on one this morning, we could take the the history of what is called the Mormon religion. Uh, Joseph Smith uh, claiming that uh, he could not read or write was able to put on this special set of glasses and read and translate the Hebrew uh, and the original languages and that that is how God gave him direct revelation for the Book of Mormon. And he made all of these claims, and uh, he was actually taken into a courtroom, and they said, now we want you to produce your glasses, and we would like you to read something in Greek and something in Hebrew and explain and substantiate these statements that you have made about yourself and your ability. And uh, he was proven a complete fraud and liar. He couldn't even tell the difference between what was Greek and what was Hebrew. Uh, and I'll tell you, even a, a simple Bible scholar, in fact, most of the people in this room, if I showed you a, a copy of a Hebrew manuscript in Greek, you'd be able to tell the difference because you can see the Greek letters on the signs when you walk around Astoria. Uh, and, and the Hebrew looks very, and you can, when you go through the Jewish neighborhoods, you see the Jewish letters. But uh, Mr. Smith made all of these claims and couldn't even tell the difference. And yet people... Believe him. It's tragic. And Peter says, listen, I want you to understand that this was not made up. We saw and heard these things. We are giving you the testimony of what we physically saw and understood. And he says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy in 
what he's saying is what is written down in this book is more sure than if you could actually hear God speak from heaven. One of the little games that uh, Andrew played while we were uh, driving out to Oklahoma City was he would, uh, um, have, a person would write on a little card a statement. And then the next person would read that statement and draw a picture. Then the next person would look at that picture and write a new statement about the picture. And then the, last, the next person would then draw a picture of the second statement. And then, last of all, the last person would write the statement, I believe, is the way it worked. Am I pretty close? And then Andrew would read the progression of how it changed from one to the next. And normally, by the time we got to the last stage, everybody in the van was laughing incredibly. How in the world did you get that out of this? I mean, that's why God has given us a written word. And that is why, quote-unquote, Christian scholars and all of the teachers argue about the words. If they can argue about the words, then you're too busy to obey them. And that doesn't please God at all. And so Peter is saying here, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that ye take heed... And then we want to skip down to verse 20 as we're setting the context. It says, knowing this first. Oh, wait a minute. Verse 19 says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have also, I'm sorry, a more sure word of prophecy. And then verse 20 says, knowing this first. So we better get a hold of what is in verse 20 through 21 so that we can make sure that, that we have our verse that we're looking at in total context. He said, the first thing you need to know is that Scripture is not of any private interpretation. Your understanding of the Bible, if it's a true understanding, will never separate you from other parts of the Bible, number one. It will never separate you from other people that hold the true faith, i.e. your local church. If you have a true and honest understanding of the Scripture, you will agree with what the Bible says. Now, that sounds so elementary. You say, why do you say that? Well, because it happens all the time. I wish I had a dollar for everyone who said, well, pastor, I just don't feel that that's what the Bible says. I'd be a rich man. Uh, we're not interested in feelings. You know, feelings are, are wonderful things. You, you ought to have some. Amen? Uh, in fact, if you don't, you, you have some real problems in your life if you don't have feelings. Uh, the best way I like to describe feelings is they are the spice of life. How many of you have ever been making something and you put too much spice in it? Uh, there are some very, very serious ramifications at times, depending on the spice that you put in. Uh, it can affect you in very terrible ways. And a lot of people's lives are like that. Emotions are like little children. You don't run them, they will run you. But emotions will follow you if you give them proper direction. And we'll find out something that this passage here, verse 19, speaks to this very issue. You see, Scripture is not of any private interpretation. That's why I challenge 
you to go home. I give you my text so that you can read it for yourself. Uh, You can obtain a copy of the sermon and go home and listen to it again. And make sure that what I am preaching is in this book. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Going back two weeks, our faith has a common source. It is objective. It is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in the words that are printed on this book. I've been accused of people say, well, you're just a bibliolater. A bibliolater. Had to think about that one for a minute. Oh, you mean I worship the Bible. And my first question is to a person like that is, what do you know about God that isn't printed in that book? You've answered the question. Romans chapter 1, which is printed in this book, by the way, tells us that we can look up into the heavens at night and understand that there is a God just simply by looking at the universe in which we live. But that's all you can know. But if I open this book, I can know His name. And I can know how He wants me to approach to Him. And I can know all the things that He has done for me. And I can understand that everything necessary for me to go to heaven has already been finished by Jesus Christ on the cross. And so my life can be invested in saying thank you to Jesus for what He has done. That's the motivation of the Christian life. Amen? It is love. We love Him because He first loved us. See, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. Truth does not belong to you. It is not your... Uh, in, in the computer word they, world, they call it proprietary software. Now, a proprietary program is something that someone has written just for you to do just what you want to do. Which... 999 times out of a thousand, you can go online or down to the computer store and pick off the shelf exactly what you would want the computer to do a whole lot cheaper than having someone write something personally for you that does exactly the same thing that 2995 off the shelf will do. You have to be careful about those things. <clears throat> but... When it's proprietary, that means it only belongs to you and it only works with you. And there's a lot of... That's why we have so many churches today. It's proprietary faith. You know what? You can't become a Mormon unless you read Mormon books. I like what Brother Sam said a little while ago. He said... It was just along exactly the same lines. He said, I've never met anyone who's become a Calvinist by just reading their Bible. He said, never have. It's one of the new parasites uh, of religion today. It's just a resurgence of an old thing. We have to be careful, but it's not of any private interpretation. If your understanding of the Bible leads you away from... Other passages of Scripture lead you away from your local church, lead you away from things that the Bible is very clear about. If your understanding of the Bible says, well, I don't know if I really ought to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, become a member of a church, then I want to tell you something. Your faith is corrupt. It's not a biblical faith. It's a private interpretation because... These things are so simple and so plain in the Bible that you have to go to college and practice in order to argue about them. Uh, You have to be taught. You have to learn that behavior. 
A simple faith in the Bible just teaches us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to follow Him in baptism and serve Him in His local church. And all God's people said, we could go home today, couldn't we? But I'm just getting through point one here. Uh, we'll, We'll be a little bit longer. You see, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we, if we were to go on, the next thing that Peter deals with is false prophets and false teachers. You have to understand something. If you're going to understand the verse that we're looking at today, number one, this stuff was not made up by the disciples. They actually saw and recorded these events. These were living testimonies of their lives. But if you want verification for the living testimony of the lives of the apostles... You have to understand that we have a more sure word written down right here. And that faith that comes from this book is going to bring you to a place where you understand that this book is true. And where you obey the things that are written there. If your faith does not make you trust God's word more, then you got a broken or a corrupt faith. I remember years ago, uh, I have uh, still ongoing problems uh, with sinuses and allergies and things. And, and, and I've been actually, I went to an allergist and she said, you're not allergic to anything. I said, maybe just a little tiny bit to down pillows. Uh, the, the, you, you show just the tiniest reaction, but certainly not enough to give you all the difficulty that you're having. And I said, okay, so what do we do? She says, well, he said, you're not allergic to anything. It's just that your body thinks it is. I was in there going, okay. So what we do is we give you a a antihistamine and a little medicine here, and, and you'll be able to breathe. And I said, okay, well, I'm willing to try anything. Breathing is rather important. I like to do that. And, and so it works. And I'm able to breathe and, and be somewhat comfortable in, in, in uh, those things. But what we're looking at here today is an answer to what's in this book called the Bible. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. You see... What came here, what we have here, is not man's words, not man's invention. It is God's words. So we start out from a place where we don't investigate God's word to find out whether it's true or not. We already believe that it's true. We know that it's not of any private interpretation, and it's not just something that somebody sat down and designed in order to give us something to believe and something to practice. I mean, Mr. Marx was not too far off uh, of the truth when he said religion is the opiate of the masses because through the centuries, organized religion, false religion, has been used to control and to dominate the souls of people. What did Jesus say? He shall know the truth, and the truth make you free. You see, freedom is in this book. But our great truth that we're missing in our society today is freedom is not freedom for me to do whatever I want. I wish they still taught American history in our schools today. But they don't. I ran into a guy, he says, yes, the Revolutionary Revolutionary War was was actually a manipulation of the population by 
by the merchant class trying to gain economic control. And what I wanted to say was, you had to go to school to be that stupid. Because that doesn't come by accident. That, that, that doesn't come by accident. You, you can't learn those kinds of things by studying the truth. That's not true at all. You, you need to understand that those men that fought that war endured incredible privation of their own goods. How many of you know General George Washington, years after the Revolution, when he was elected first President of the United States, had to borrow money and rent a carriage to come to New York City to be inaugurated as a president because he would not allow the financial loss that he incurred uh, and was still incurring because of his services general in the revolution would not allow him to present himself on a level that he felt worthy of the office of President of the United States. How many of you actually knew that happened? You see... His freedom made him give up an awful lot of stuff. And a whole lot of other men laid down their lives so that we could be free. Freedom is not so you can do whatever you want. But it was so that you could live a life where you determined what job you would work. And you would determine what clothes you would put on. And you would determine how many dishes you would set out on your table. Do you know that Calvin installed laws about how many dishes you could set out on your table at dinner time? And they actually sent inspectors through the city to make sure that you didn't set too many dishes on the table? That's the type of control that false religion offers. It's craziness. Absolute insanity. And someone told me, well, don't you know that other cities had the same kind of laws? And I'm going, since when does the Christians who believe this Bible copy the world, my friend? I mean, how, how foolish would that be to think that you could be closer to God because of the number of plates you set out on the table? But they did this stuff. They argued about singing of hymns in churches. In fact, it came to violence on several occasions over doing something that is simply stated ought to be done in your Bible. When Jesus and the disciples had the first uh, Lord's Supper, as we call it, they sang a hymn and went to the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, how simple can we get? You see, it says... We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. There's not a lot in your life that could not be governed and could not be directed by what's printed in this book called the Bible. In fact, I can't think of anything. You know, there's not one major life decision. And by the way, what is a major life decision? It's one you have to make. Amen? You know what a minor life decision is? That's a decision somebody else has to make. But if you have to make a decision... There's a verse in this Bible that talks about it. How many would say, Amen, preacher? Am I in the right church? No. 
it says that we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. It is a good thing. How many say amen to this? It is a good thing to allow the Bible to direct your decision-making process. Could we get an amen to that? I don't know of any point in your life where you will not be benefited by taking heed to what is written down in this book. Solve so many problems. Years ago, we were passing out tracts and and a man was saying, well, listen, you're you're a religious man. I said, yes, I'm the pastor of the church. He said, well, this is a, a problem that's troubled me all my life. He says, I, I was raised Orthodox and, and, and we make the sign of the cross one way. And he said, all my Catholic friends tell me I'm wrong that it's supposed to go the other way. And I said, I've got a real simple solution to that. He says, Really? I said, it's not in the Bible. Uh, what? Making the sign of the cross is not in the Bible. You're, you're telling me everybody's wrong? No, just people who make the sign of the cross. Amen. See, the problem is, it's an abbreviated prayer. Is not God worthy of a real prayer? Uh, If you're a parent here today, would you want abbreviated requests from your children? And what was the one that they always talked about in college? Uh, What was it? Dear Dad, no mun, no fun, your son... And the answer from the dad was, too bad, or so sad, too bad, you're dead. And uh, you know, abbreviated requests sometimes get abbreviated responses. Amen? Let, let's not play games with God today, or ever. Our, our faith is real. It's not established upon... Something somebody made up. I mean, some of these religions, you look at them. And I'm not trying to be rude or crude this morning, but does it take anybody to figure out who wrote the religion of Islam and all of its things that it promises? I mean, does that take a lot of thought process? There, there's, a pro, there's some problems there, are there not? You turn on uh, the TBN network and you get promised a brand new mink coat if you're a lady. And, and, and what would you want one on a day like today for? But anyway, uh, you, you get a brand new car if you're a guy and money in the bank and everything. Is it very hard to figure out who made up this faith? Somebody that wanted a lot of worldly possessions. Cunningly devised fables. They're not in the Bible. Private interpretation, not in the Bible. But why can't we just be obedient to the things that are in the Bible? Amen. And then it gives us an example here. It says, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Now, that's where I'm getting the title for the message this morning is the journey of faith. If you have real biblical faith, where is it going to take you? How is it going to work? Now, I want you to stop and think about this. How many of you remember your, maybe not your absolute first, but your early contact with the Word of God? Not with religion. I mean, how many of you were religious before you got saved? Would you just raise your hands? I mean, you went to a church and you did what they said. 
you remember the first time someone opened the Bible and actually read you a verse out of the Bible? There was a conflict, wasn't there? It was like, have you ever been in a darkened room or maybe sleeping and someone comes and one of the kids is playing around and gets that uh, nice mag bright flashlight and goes bing right in your eyes. And I mean, it, I mean, it is painful to have a light in a very dark place, is it not? Well, Peter says, this is how the Word of God works. It's like a light that shines in a dark place. The first response... What did Jesus say? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so, that first response is is to shy away from that light, is to get on the other side of the room. But then, then we begin to see some things. You see, without light, your eyes do not work. They cannot image without there being some kind of light. Now, what our military have done and other people through, through the years is they have learned to manipulate light that is not visible to the human eyes. And so you can put on a pair of infrared uh, goggles or you can have infrared and it can take that light that is below the visible spectrum and you can still see outlines. And, and that's how, uh, uh, and what we do in, in our modern day times is we can take the, the smallest bit of light and magnify it thousands of times in order to give our soldiers vision in total darkness, it seems. And, and they're able to see and understand You see, without the Word of God, without Jesus, who is the light of the world, there is, you can see or understand nothing about how to go to heaven. Now, how many of you remember that struggle that went on in your heart and in your soul as the Word of God began to do its work and you began all of a sudden to image yourself in a completely different way than you had ever done before? In the world, we're taught to feel good about ourselves. And even if there's nothing to feel good about, we make something up. That's one of the reasons we have so many phobias in everything today. And so many disorders is because I don't have to blame it on myself. It's not me. It's not my wicked heart. I, I, I was born this way. No, you weren't born that way. You can't hide behind because when... The light of the gospel comes on, just like it did for the woman at the well. Sin has to come to light. See, repentance is not simply the acknowledging of your sin. It is bringing your sin as it is to God, because He's the only place that can fix it. See, most churches offer some way to fix your sin, don't they? How many of you tried to do something to get rid of sin before you found out that Jesus paid for it all on the cross? Well, the light came on, didn't it? Now, how many here sitting here today would say, Preacher, I remember the time, I remember the day when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he took all my sin away. How many of you remember that time? Just lift up a hand. Give testimony to that. You know what happened? The light came on, didn't it? You saw yourself for who and what you are. And saw Jesus for who he is. I love the way preacher, Pastor Thompson, said it. He knows everything about me, and he still loves me. Amen? You see, we're taught today 
that when that light comes on and we finally understand what it means to be saved, that that is the end of everything. I want to challenge you, that's the beginning. You see, that is the false religion influencing the truth. The false religion, you do all these things all of these years so that someday you might be good enough to go to purgatory and burn for a thousand years. Well, that beats eternity now, doesn't it? And you can pay for the rest of your sins and go to heaven. I mean, that's what people teach, but that's not what the Bible says. When the light came on, you understood Jesus paid it all. How many of you remember the peace that came to your heart that day when you stopped trying to save yourself? And when you struggle with life and you get depressed and you're worried and you're wondering what's going to happen next, you know the best place to go? Is back into that room where the light's on and understand that Jesus took care of all my sin. That's my biggest problem. It's not the politicians. It's not government. My biggest problem is my sin against the holy God. Well, this verse says, As unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Do you understand that God wants His Word to be a light in your life like the day you got saved for every decision that you make? I've heard some preachers preach about getting saved and I'll tell you what, by the time they were done, I I wished I could have lost my salvation just so I could get it again. Uh, And I realized that what that really was was not a preaching of the gospel truth, but a manipulation of my emotions. Because getting saved is the greatest day of my life. How about you? But that joy and that blessing and that wonder that happened when you finally allowed the light to light up the room enough to see what it meant to be saved, God wants to do that in your life each and every day. I mean, every one of us in here would say, how many, uh, let's just do it here, how many of you need improvement in your faith relationship with God? I mean, my hand is the first one up who would follow me in that testimony and say, I I need it. Well, here's how faith works. Faith, when you got saved, brought you to a point to where you the light came on. And you said, oh my, I see my sin. But I see the Savior. And He'll take care of my sin. And that faith demanded either to cast faith aside... Or to embrace it and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Are we together? And that brought joy and peace to your life. But there's confusion in certain parts of our lives. We say, I don't know, I wish I knew what to do. I wish I knew this or that. I... I, I wish I had enough wisdom to make this decision or have victory over this. Well, let me tell you something. The the Bible says that God wants to fill our lives with His light. Faith is knowing what to do to be obedient to the Word of God. Amen? And we struggle every day with be obedient to the Word of God. And we sit here and we say, I'm not sure, I wish I knew what to do or how to do this or how to solve this problem in my life. 
And the answer is not in being able to figure things out or just having wisdom. The answer is getting enough light so you can see the problem correctly. Are we still together? Here it says, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. How many of you are in New York City for the big blackout several years ago? I mean, that was, that was really scary time. But I'll tell you what, the sun came up the next day. That sure felt good, didn't it? I didn't like it when there's no street lights. I mean, New York City's a dark place. And you could see different things, but all you could see was the shadows. It wasn't it wasn't a good thing. But when the sun came up, guess what? You could see clearly, couldn't you? And God wants to flood your soul with the light of His truth, just like the sun does the dark world every time it comes up in the morning. Until that day star rises in your hearts. That's Jesus Christ. Somebody did it this way. Sunshine Baptist Church, S-O-N-S-H-I-N-E. Sunshine. I thought, oh, that's, that's cute. But it's true because that's the kind of light you want, is it not? And we would love to have that peace and that contentment and, and to live daily in that joy that happened in those first moments when we finally understood that we were resting in Jesus for our salvation. And what I'm trying to tell you is that faith will do that same thing over and over and over and over again in your life as you get real biblical faith that gives you real biblical answers you will walk in the light as He is in the light. In Him is light. And there's no darkness at all in the Lord. You can have that joy each and every day. But you have to remember some things. You see, faith has a common source. Biblical faith is based in the Bible. Faith has a single object. This is the written word. The object of our faith is the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Faith is going to produce some things in our lives. I mean, I could give so many examples, but I want to go back and and just tie up a few danglers that I've left floating out there in the sermon this morning. The people that lived in this country during the time of the Revolution had faith in God, many of them, but what united them together was their faith in an understanding of freedom. And it allowed them to unite and endure all of the loss of... of Some of them were put in prison and lost their freedom. Some of them lost their lives on the battlefield or in the German... I mean, uh, the, uh, the British prison camps and... And many of them lost their possessions due to the raiding parties of the enemy and all of these things. And yet they willingly gave those so that they could be free. You know, 
When we have faith in our local church, you know what it does? It allows us to walk together without being robots. It gives us a commonality or a unity of the Bible word in our faith. Do you realize in this down economic year, our missions giving is higher than it has ever, ever been? And I'm not talking about two or three percentage points. I mean, it's huge. We've we've already saved up enough money to pay for our missionaries that are coming in and our missions conference that's coming up. We, We already have it. Now, don't slow down. Because what we're going to do at our missions conference this year is add some missionaries to our family and raise our support. If, if, but we got to keep that going. Amen? You see, that's what faith does. It makes that light at the end of the tunnel. It allows us to see priorities and to do things that are in agreement with the Word of God. And then who gets the joy? We do. You see, that's why in heaven we'll cast our crowns at His feet. Because we're going to see then more clearly than is possible in this life that every good thing that happened in our life was because of Him and because of obedience to what was written in this book. You see... There's a journey that faith will take you on. And I'll end with just a short testimony of my own faith. I was not raised in a Baptist church. I was raised in a church that was Baptistic. It was like a Baptist church. I had a lot of influences in it that certainly were not Baptist. But I began to study the Bible. And, and I, I was saved uh, while I was a young man in that church. And I was called to preach. And, and I grew in the faith and I got studying the Bible and the things that were in it and what faith ought to be. And guess what? The light came on. And I realized that a lot of things that were said weren't in the Bible. They were little things. They didn't believe in being separated from the world. I began studying my Bible and found out, boy, that's important. I thought that you just, if you were going to start a church, you just grabbed your Bible and went out and started a church. I found out they didn't do that in the Bible. That before they went out and started a church, they were sent out from a church. And I like to put it this way. I have no right to start my church because Jesus already started his. And so as a sophomore in Bible college, I got some things straightened out and I was baptized in a Baptist church. And you know what I found out? I found out I agreed with a whole bunch of people that already were doing what I was doing. And as I'd gone through life, I've been told that you can't reach the you can't reach your world without building a bridge to them. No, that's not true. You know how you reach the world? By standing on the rock. And throwing out the life preserver of the Word of God. And when somebody has enough faith to grab a hold, we reel them in. And you know what I found out? That there were many, many churches all over this world that believe and practice exactly what we believe and practice. You know why? Because they're looking at this book with the same light. 
And I have more freedom in my life when I'm obedient to this book than at any other time. If I ever want to be constrained, if I ever want to tie myself in knots, all I got to do is start being disobedient to the Word of God. You want to tie yourself up? Just start going, me first. You know what makes the lines at the supermarket longer? And the traffic crazier? All you have to do is say, me first. All you have to do is start thinking about everything that's in your life that needs to be fixed. And you're going to be so depressed that you're going to have to pay somebody hundreds of dollars an hour to lie to you to make you feel better about yourself. Or you can go to God and let Him turn on the light. You know what? That's not always a pleasant thing to happen, is it? Remember the first summer I was in Bible college, we rented a little half a room or apartment, several of us guys. We turned the light on the first night. I didn't sleep for a week. You couldn't even see the floor. Just all kinds of wonderful little creepy crawlers all over the place. I mean, we, we went down the next day and bought every kind of bug spray that was known to mankind and just poured it on the floor and in the baseboards and every crack that we could. But if you could get as upset about your sin and the things that God reveals to you through His Word as you do about cockroaches and mice, you know what? You might be willing just to believe what the Bible says and all of a sudden the light's going to come on. And guess what? When you confess it to the Lord and when you deal with Him by faith, you don't have to be afraid to turn the light on anymore. You don't have to be afraid to look in the mirror. That's what faith does. That same joy, that same peace that you got when you got saved, that's the little light. But God wants the sun to rise so that there will be no darkness at all. Talk about joy. Think you might find it in the sunlight of faith? But you've got to let faith do its work. It's a journey. God doesn't deal with everything at one moment in time. Aren't you glad He's patient? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I just ask. 